Hello and welcome to another episode of Anatomical Precision. I'm your host, Mike Klein, and with me, Chris Schlegel, Richard Pacifico. All right, and uh, we're here back for again for another episode. So, fellas, any recent games, guild ball experiences, hobby, etc. you'd like to share? What's been going on for you guys? We haven't talked in a while. Um. Well, I went to another tournament in Columbus and got stomped by my friends engineers again. Um. Typical. So your typical tournament for me. Uh. I also managed to. Uh, I got sixteen out of sixteen players. Uh, registered for my event in Cincinnati here on July 21st, where I'm giving away through raffling individual members of the Faithful Bucks. And I've got a wait list of two people on it, so we'll see if anybody drops. And I got a couple other events coming up, but I'm sure you'll hear about me getting stomped by engineers there as well. Nice. Were you playing your rats at the tournament? Yes. All right. Did, so, did you find that is it that the engineers into rats matchup is uh, challenging, or is it specifically how your friend uses them? It's a mixture of both. Like, um, for well, first of all, uh, we had a practice game that Friday night before the tournament, and I won in a fairly close game. Uh, but then, uh, in the tournament. I got I had to kick off, which is always a bad deal for rats. Uh moved heaven and earth to get a goal, a mother takeout and push out compound it, within the first two turns. And uh then it just like I stalled out at seven points while he uh sucker punched from Scourge who could never leave melee. To just wipe out all my squishy pieces of crap. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, Scourge is kind of a target for that. For that, he's one of the reliable ones to get that off on. And you have other really squishy models in the guild, so yeah, or at least low health models. All right, Rich, how about you? I already know the answer, but go ahead. <laughs> well, so, there. Uh, I don't know if there's going to be a monthly tournament before the uh, southeastern team championship, which you are going to. Yes. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you just jump from big tournament to big tournament without any practice, which is great. Um, yeah, I mean, I do pretty well like that, so I'm okay with it. Yes, it works out. Well, we should, I mean, there's a new, so there the existing gaming club in New York City closed uh, just yes. as of the other day. However, the mem- the people who had been, like, regularly running it have opened uh, or are opening up a new gaming club uh, in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, so a little bit closer to most people. Um, so that's exciting, and they already reached out to me to run some 
uh, to see if I can run some Gilball events this summer. So that probably will happen in nice. August. Yeah. So that's... I, I haven't looked up the exact address, but if it's in Williamsburg, it's gonna it's packed. What do you mean it's pa- like it's packed as in like it's no like Williamsburg is just so so crowded so it's gonna it's gonna be but there's always something to do anyway so it'll be I mean fine. I I mean yeah I don't know the size I haven't been there I don't know the size of the place but if it has the same membership I'm sure it will be pretty crowded but it's open it's gonna be open I think all days which is great and pretty pretty good hours so that's that's gonna be cool uh it'd be nice to actually have a store uh and. Hopefully that brings some more of the New York City players because I've been basically uh, part of the Long Island meta, getting all my games in there, which is great. I love those guys. Uh, it will be nice to not have to travel an hour uh, yeah, to, play. to play. But I still uh, have to travel an hour no matter what. <laughs> I mean, just stay at your girlfriend's, then you're real close. Yeah, that's true. All right, well... I did play in a recent tournament. I played at the Ball Hog, um, which I think is a, a regular yearly tournament in uh, Westmoreland, Pennsylvania, or the Westmoreland region, I guess, of Pennsylvania, uh, out right by the Pittsburgh area. So the kind of randomly, I just I think I or some somebody else had thrown out there randomly in the Long Island group, like, hey, what if we just go to this tournament in outside Pittsburgh? Well, it's only like a six and a half, well, six and a half hour drive from my place. It's like seven and a half hour drive from uh, out on eastern Long Island. But uh, we we did it, soldiered through. Basically, they, those boys got up at like one o'clock in the morning and started heading out or one something. And then uh, got to me just before three o'clock in the morning. And we just drove straight out there. I slept in the car a good portion of the way and got there. It's pretty intense. Yeah, I know. I didn't do <laughs> any of that. what I missed. <laughs> I, yeah, well, so that the reason you got uninvited is because the car was full. And, oh, my God, it was it was very full. Um, I was in the middle seat on the way there. And it was I got, like, this incredible pain in my sciatic nerve. Um from sitting in that seat for six and a half hours, especially, I mean, I got up a couple of times, but it it was not enough. So that was, uh, that was great. Uh, I actually had to sit for a good portion of my games because standing was, was hurting me. Sitting wasn't too much better, but standing was hurting a lot. Um, yeah, so there was that. Anyway, we get there. I had been hemming and hawing as I am known to do about what guild I wanted to play. I went, through basically everything but in the end i ended up just choosing uh brewers they're strong i've been playing them um <laughs> they're fun uh and yeah it was a it was cool it was about i think it was 19 or 20 guys all together uh and some good names there cool crew the west virginia crew the the Pittsburgh crew themselves. I'm going to forget where exactly everybody is from, but um, all great guys, all really nice. Met them before at like Spring Fling um, and Fall Brawl and, and whatnot, maybe at SteamCon as well. I'm not sure, uh, but it was good to see them again and get, get some games with people. Uh, and luckily, like, you know, the, they, the TO was really great, Rob. Uh, 
for making sure that he was using the long shank setting and that players from the the five Long Island guys who came didn't play each other at least until uh, later rounds, so that we got to play people from different metas and and same for them. You know, the West Virginia guys didn't play each other round one, etc. But yeah, so it was good. I'm not going to do a, a, a bat rep of it, but I had a lot of great games played against two Hunters, uh, one Union, and one... Um, what was the other game against? I could look it up, but that uh, that would just be too easy. Anyway, played a lot of great players. Um, shout out to all of them, because they were all great, but I'm not going to remember everybody's name unless I... Uh, go look it up. But uh, the final, I ended up getting into the final with Bill Anderson. He was playing Vet Rage, and we had a really good game. Um, started out with me way in the lead, but uh, ended up, he ended up really getting it, kind of, you know, pulling it closer back. And if he, he unfortunately just didn't have the time to win, and he ended up clocking out and uh, losing. But it would have been, had he had unlimited time, it would have been a really close down to the wire game. So that one ended 12-8. So I ended up uh, winning that event. It was a uh, good. Uh, Vet Decimate scored a total of, let me see, 12 plus 6 plus 8 plus 8, 16, 28, 34 of the 48 points that I uh, scored on in the four rounds. Oh, that's um, ridiculous. Including... Two two goals in one game, and then the rest were all takeouts. Uh, yeah, she was she was good. She was good. <laughs> um. All right. Well, that's. I mean, that sounds okay. It was. It was. Yeah. It was all right. <laughs> it was all right. Uh. Sweet. Moving on. What do we want to talk about today? What I think we want to talk about is, and this was something kind of that I notice at the event and this kind of leads in we had a lot of questions so we're going to answer we're going to this is mostly going to be a a question episode answering episode but i i wanted to talk about because i saw it brought up in some of the questions i saw it at the event i wanted to bring up the idea what do you do as a player in a competitive setting when you are up against the the big the big name the big shot whether it's um a player thing or a team thing, like you're up against, you know, something you know is powerful, or a person that you know is really good, and you get that sense of like, what do I do? How do I win this game? How, like, what do you do in those situations to win? Is there any, like, how do you avoid kind of getting on tilt or not playing at your best? Uh, yeah, like, kind of, what do you, what can you do in those situations? Because I have seen it come up a lot, um, and I'm not immune from from this but i want to throw it to you guys so i guess first off like does it has this have you guys experienced this you're either up against the team that you think is like really strong or a player that you know is really good and you get that sense of like impending doom two very specific examples that happen every time go for it engineers and union okay both of those give me so much stress that most of the time, my nights before the uh, tournament is typically whatever kind of bar drinking I'm doing mixed with just having anxiety over those matchups. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
Okay. Um, and so you have so you feel anxiety about those getting matched up into those guilds. Uh, and what specifically yeah. like causes you that anxiety? Like what are you, what are is going? What are the thoughts that are going through your head? This is this is a shout out back to thinking traps. So you know, examine your thoughts. Like, what are, what's going on? Well, in Union, uh, I typically don't stress about them as much until I actually uh, get to play them or get matched up against them. You know, and then it's always like, man, rage can kill me from a lot of different vectors here and i have no way of stopping it other than just trying to end it fast and so there's like the constant anxiety of man i'm just gonna die here sooner or later i'm on like an enrage timer if you are familiar with any like mmorpg terms where it's just uh he's just gonna just a timer where at some point you just lose yeah uh if you haven't won the game at this point then well good game you've lost at this point um and engineers it's always just stressful because they have so many small tweaks to their lineup that you never know really what uh what play style they're going to come at you with mixed with like it just always, it's so hard for me to get the kills I need against them, probably because I don't play Union or uh, whatever, maybe Masons, I don't know who else are good against Engineers other than Union. Mm -hmm. So, I guess it's just the, uh, how di damn difficult it is to get into them, the, creates like a negative, not, not quite negative play experience for me, but like a little bit to a degree where I'm just, I'm more confused about how I can get into an advantage position throughout the whole time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds like you're almost saying like their toughness makes it like you can't see, you can't develop a plan uh, that gets right. you to a victory because you feel like every time you want something to happen, it's not going to happen at least to the degree that you want it to. Right, unless they go out and like feed me the models or whatever. Sure, which. Obviously, that, that poor play changes up any uh, any right. situation. All right, uh, and and Rich, how the strategy you count on? <laughs> yeah, and Rich, how about you? Any has this happened to you, or any um, examples? Yeah, I think I think it, it happens to me a lot. It's, I, as you as you said earlier, I don't play as much. I don't get as much, uh, as much practice as others, so uh, I'm unfamiliar with more teams. Um, I want to say like the whole team, but I just tend to forget. It may slip to my mind. If you don't, if you don't study the game, you'll you'll, you'll forget things. So there's certain matchups where uh, I'm just like, oh, uh, I forgot how to play against this team, or I've played against this team but not very often, um, and that gets to me. And, and I tilt a lot, so I know I know that. But the only thing that I have to slow down. Usually, I'm pretty fast on the clock. If I win or lose, I always have like you know, 15 plus minutes left on the clock. When I play a game where um, I'm playing somebody who's obviously better than me or a team that um, is hard for me to beat, I really have to slow it down and I have to try to play uh, for mistakes. Uh, not not for my own mistakes, but I have to let them make a mistake uh, first. And at that point, it's like a really slow, grindy game. Mm -hmm. um, 
but there's not there's there's not like one sort of matchup that uh I feel like is like the bane of my existence. It's it's pretty much I don't practice enough, so uh every team uh for the most part gives me a hard time. Sure. Well I, I it can, sounded it sounded like you've told me specifically when when you are unfamiliar, uh you feel like when you have that unfamiliarity, like it, it's almost like a, an anxiety of like I don't know what the options are, which is uh, obviously right. Yeah. Um, and that kind of gets regard that just really gets to you and makes it hard for you to go through with a plan, right? Uh, yeah. Or, so so yeah, it's, it's hard for me to go through with the plan. Uh, but I can see the mis- I can see the mistakes. Uh, and that's usually how I win. Um, it happened in the last round of Spring Fling. Uh, I, I think that was like my second time playing blacks against blacksmith and he just made a mistake and I was able to feed off of that and uh, pretty much that's that's how I do it for the most part if I'm not familiar usually I can get practice with you or um, whenever I used to make it out to Brooklyn I guess I practice with those guys but it just doesn't happen as often as I would like it to mm-hmm. well we're gonna get back to your uh, your mistakes thing in a second because I think that's gonna be a really good point but um what I mean I have noticed this in other people, uh, but this doesn't mean I'm immune to this. And it does happen to me. That for me, actually, the biggest one is um, when I was playing my engineers regularly. Engineers into um, engineers into union was a big one. Uh, not saying that I like I couldn't play win it, but like any time I was matched up against union um, as the engineers, like it goes into the game like, oh man, this is going to be really challenging. Like. It's gonna. I'm gonna have to execute perfectly, and if anything goes wrong, game's gonna be over. Um, like, and it can kind of weigh on you mentally. And I've usually been able to overcome it, but I mean, I don't. I, by far, my worst record uh, was engineers versus union, uh, and I lost several final, uh, two Captain Con finals. Uh, no, sorry, one was against Fish, but I lost the Captain Con final against that. I've lost some other games against. Uh, playing against Union with engineers, so it's it's not one I've uh, I've always been able to solve. Sometimes it does get to me. But what I notice other people doing a lot when um, we'll get to more in this question, but like you have your teams like right now and the Brewers, and you could say Union as well. People you know perceive as really powerful in kind of the in meta, the top of the meta, top tier, whatever you want to say. Teams, um, especially ones that have. Um, strong characters whether leaving aside any questions whether they're overpowered or not um just when you have that like strong piece or really like vet rage or a strong or gutter or vet decimate um how like in figuring out how to deal with that or deal with the team in the context of those players and those things that they can do people will for like not a really good term freak out or just like get anxious or get frustrated um even if they don't see it right away but like or they or just like kind of disengage their brain from it like they don't really critically analyze what does this model do or what do these models do how do they how do they uh, why are they so strong and what do i need to do in order to minimize those strengths so a great example of this is in one of my games recently um and this is no discredit to the player, and I'm not, I'm not going to say their name or anything, but no discredit to the player. They were unfamiliar with it, and being unfamiliar with the matchup definitely um, definitely will add to it. And this happened a couple of times, but 
there was one situation um, where they were, you know, it was uh, hunters into, actually it happened twice, once with rats and once with hunters, but the hunters example, playing, you know, playing Esther's Vet Decimate into a hunters player with Theron and doing the normal first turn, you know, he's thrown out snares and pins on Vet Decimate and stuff like that. And I think just their lack of experience playing into it and not really, uh, and, and kind of just knowing, knowing that Vet Decimate is strong, but not knowing, like, re- not really critically analyzing what she can do. And maybe, again, because of experience. Um, but I actually made a huge mistake in one of those games and forgot to just ended Esther's activations without buffing Decimate uh, for speed. And he had he been like really critical, critically analyzing what is what do I need to do to not lose this game, right? What do I need to do to minimize the damage that uh, he could have activated a model and made a pass to Theron and dodged him out of uh, out of range? And I maybe I would have been able to get to another model, but it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been a good activation. Instead, he does something different. Um, not really realizing that, and then, sure enough, you know, Deathmate goes in, kills Theron, and second wins away, and then from there, it was kind of like, you know, just a a, a spiral, and he, I could see he was getting frustrated, and he was handling it, you know, well, and it wasn't, like, making the game a negative experience or anything, but I could see on their face, like, progressively, I don't know how to handle this, this is, like, you get, that's where you get into this, like, tilt, and, you know, this model is too strong, blah, 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 this team is too strong it's very easy to get into that kind of cycle when you just, when, you know, on the other side, I was sweating buckets in that first turn. When I made that mistake, I was like, this, I mean, it's going to be a really hard game. And then it, you know, I lucked out and the, the, it wasn't capitalized on. And then I was like, okay, I can, you know, now I can pull this back and get back onto my game plan. Right. So that was just one really good example. And what I noticed that you had said, Rich, was when you, have that boogeyman where you have that strong thing or you're not sure or you just like you don't know your path to victory um or you it's like hard to see it and it's hard to figure out how you don't just lose against something i think the biggest thing is being able to think like keep yourself in a good cognitive space where you're thinking critically about each move and like why you're doing each move and why and what you know the opponent's models can do and why they would do it so that so that you can take advantage of mistakes. Yeah, I think I think that's that's like a more detailed way of it, of when when I said that I take longer on the clock, I think that's like a more detailed way of of saying what I meant to say. Uh it's not that I just sit there and do nothing, but I, I really need to think a little harder than than I usually do when I play the game. Well, sure. If that yeah. makes me sound like an idiot. No, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> I got you. But you were saying though you like you try to play from like you look for mistakes that they make and like in any game of guilt ball, even if the mistake is like not like a you know you in chess terms you would have, there's like you know an error versus a blunder like I may even be messing up those terms but like you know you can make a move that is not optimal and like this move would have been you know you could have made a different move that would have been better versus a blunder which is like this move like actively can lose you the game uh, or can yeah. like put you way behind but like even just keep looking for those errors and looking for that suboptimal play. And then, Oh, okay, look, he could have, you know, maybe, maybe the answer is like, yeah, I'm not in a great situation. And if the optimal play, if he makes the, if the, my opponent makes the optimal move every time, 
I'm probably going to lose the game. But, I mean, even the best players are human and make mistakes, whether they're blunders or errors, whether not just not optimal or they're big mistakes. You see that now, oh man, I thought he would have moved, I think if he would have moved that model, it would have been better. Now I can kind of deal with that a little bit. Maybe it doesn't win you the game, but now I've gotten a little bit more into this game, right? Now I have an opportunity to go for a goal and, you know, that goal gets me to six points and now I'm kind of in striking range, you know what I mean? Like, um, so I think taking, being able to sit there and, and analyze and find the mistakes are a big part of beating those teams that are really um really strong or 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 like those like hard sticking points for for you for whatever reason like chris's union and engineers um yeah yeah go for it chris i don't know i think uh i think you kind of almost have to figure out like a i feel like i need to go into a solo training and just play as and against engineers myself to really kind of like maybe highlight it out so maybe maybe playing as your enemy guild or whatever gives you stress will help out in identifying where they lack i mean yeah that is a great point obviously knowledge is a huge aspect and familiarity with is a huge aspect in making like good and quick decisions but like yeah if you play as engineers and you're on the other side of that and you're looking even if it is advent you know advantageous for you you have to still look at like okay i'm the engineers player what am i like need to get done to feel good and to win this game so then now you're back on the rat side okay okay i know he needs to do this because I was playing as engineers, and if I didn't do this, or if I did this, and it didn't work out, it made it a much harder game, or I lost the game, or you know, whatever. This was what I was scared of, right? This is what I was trying to avoid. Now you can play the rat side, and you could say, how do I make that, like, how do I then counter that move, right? Like, how do I, I uh, anticipate that and work around it? Um, yeah, like, if, you know, a uh, big one, and I'm guilty of this with engineers. Like if if my ballista plan, which is a very conservative ranged damage fighting ballista plan, isn't working, maybe that's a key to me that you need to switch in that ma- kind of matchup and just play pin vice, even if that's not necessarily better. But the fact that you have more of a goal threat, or even if you don't change captains, but like just playing like, okay, I need to switch and I need to like, maybe I'm only going to try the fighting plan for turn one into turn two. And if as soon as something doesn't go my way, like if I miss a one roll, it's like immediate now it needs to be disengaged and switch plans, right? Um, or you, right. yeah, like you just knowing like, when, like having an idea, like if I'm scared of this and it starts to go wrong, I need to switch up what I'm doing and do something different. Um, whether that's taking more like high variance plays or being more conservative and just like, hey, you know what? Instead of instead of trying to save this player that I think I just lost, why don't I just let that player lose and back all my players out of the scrum and then reset? I may be down four to six points, but at least I won't start feeding my players into takeout after takeout after takeout. Um. So, yeah. Any any other thoughts on on this subject? 
No, not really. I think uh, it's just going to be one of those things that everybody has their boogeyman, and whether it be a player or a guild, and we're just going to have to each individually find a path to figuring out how to beat those, I guess. Yeah. Without just calling for nerfs or I uh, don't know what you would do in the case of your boogeyman being an actual player. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so and I'm... And, <laughs> well, sorry, I was distracted for a second. But what I, I guess what I was... The last thing I wanted to say, and this is, this is not to minimize it, because it doesn't mean that things can't be you know too strong you know objectively too strong i mean yes you had thresher he was too strong but like the kind of the essence of the like get good get you know figure it out thing is like unless again at any level of play well at at many levels of play um beyond beyond the absolute top where you know there's minimal amounts of mistake there are enough mistakes in games that are being made that and the difference between guilds you know is is small enough in guild ball that you can overcome any imbalances so i see a lot of people quickly get into frustration like i don't know how to deal with this it's too good it's overpowered and they get frustrated and they get into it and they enjoy themselves less and they get into a a bad kind of mindset this guy what i said this guy which guy oh (laughs) wait (laughs) No, you, you. Me. Oh, you? Oh, okay. Yeah. Whenever I play Mike at Final Table, it's the worst experience ever. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, when do you ever play me at a Final Table? I don't know. We played. We played one time. Oh shit, in Jersey. Oh, uh, okay. Um. But yeah, like yeah, when you get yourself into that, like my, oh, not this team. Oh, not this that. You know, whatever. Like okay, that's. That's how you know. Then you run to the internet and complain like this is overpowered. <laughs> like I'm not saying that it's not valid that some things might be too strong, and you can speak up. You know, I'm not silencing people from that. But what I would say for the majority of people is before, like, even if you do think that, sure, think it, and if you want, say something. But work on your game and don't get yourself tilted. Otherwise, just you're not gonna have fun. Um, and you're not gonna overcome. You're not gonna start winning magically by you know saying that this guild is really strong is not gonna do it. Here's the worst thing: if if you're if you want to be really competitive and you honestly don't think your guild can match up against another one, then switch guilds. Like right, if that's if that's what you want, or if you enjoy playing your guild and that's what you want to do, then play it and overcome most of the challenges. You know, like, again, unless you're really competing at the top, 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 top level. Even then, it's it's more or less uh, almost totally about player skill than uh, than team. Anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. We had some new models come out. We've had a bunch. We've talked about some, but we've skipped a, a few of them. Um, what do you guys think? Let's see. So, who? I think we have to talk about Vet Chisel. <clears throat> we have to talk about the two Union uh, friends, S Bigot and Vet Fangtooth. Um, and then there was a little teaser at the French Nationals um, Championships about uh, Vet Calculus. And we've seen basically, I think, everything at this point except for her playbook. Um, so we can talk about those models. And we had we did get a lot of questions, especially about uh, Spigot and Fangtooth. So I think we will uh, 
we will kind of just briefly talk about them now and then we can answer any questions um any other other things so who do we want to start with um chisel you can just yeah sure that'll go in a good little chronological whatever actually i don't even know did we talk about sakana i think we did i think we did yeah we touched on him enough okay so chisel thoughts she's good uh that's all i really got i mean like she's just <laughs> widely applicable good <laughs> you're you're so insightful it's very insightful here on the anatomical prison you know when you have a model that does good things plays good support and is good yeah it's good <laughs> <laughs> all right rich do you have anything better to to add uh i i will say that I think that all the models uh, that back are just very good and able to, to take it. Um, uh, uh, the thing is, I could say something about Vichizzo, but I'm I'm not a Masons player. I know I have ever played Masons at all, so I don't know uh, exactly what they want to do. I think you would be better off talking about Chizzo. <laughs> all right, I mean, you guys have been. Well, she's. Helpful. I mean, she's got that old. The old. Uh, she got to share the burden, whatever the stone aura. aura yeah. yeah, she's got the old millstone aura, which is a uh, pretty dang good. Now, uh, now hammer can be completely immune to whatever you could throw at him, more or less. Yeah. Uh, between vet harmony and her, uh, the assist—that's going to help you bring out the most of your damage. Man, um, that, that's really good. That's scary, actually. Yeah, and. The influence moving around shenanigans is going to be a huge, huge boon to honor, in my opinion. I like, it's kind of janky, but at the same time, it's effective sounding, so I don't think it's really all that janky to do the whole superior strategy. Honor is now up in your grill with uh, a fully loaded influence stack and second wind yeah so so to clarify for people who haven't already heard it's been talked about on in other places but um chis so now you what you can theoretically do is load up honor she superior strategies herself um which puts her to three influence uh she then uh gets second winded she then chisel then moves three influence from another model um, so that's a total of 11 so far, and you could put the 12th influence by tooling her up. So if you know, that's all of the influence in your team for an honor team. Uh, but what you get out of that is um, is a last activation or potentially a double last activation if you're the kicker uh, for honor in which she has six influence. She can move six uh, and then move another six or charge eight with the one-inch melee. So she has a natural... Um, 15 inch charge threat um from the deployment zone and that's if she doesn't second wind after her first activation she you know if you have the double activation and you really need to get to a key model you can walk second wind then um go ahead and charge in um or walk in or whatever uh and kill that model or you can you know walk in charge and then second wind at the end of your second activation um and get yourself kind of back towards your team so really powerful being able to put six or if you really want to go all out seven with the legendary influence tooled up turn one with lack to activation which is a huge threat range with a momentous two on two with tax six is really good 
<laughs> um, <laughs> so that is a that is the janky combo that Chris was talking about. Not so janky, but it is it is definitely a very set play. It is, I mean, it is basically the new Mason's missile. Um, I think there are other missile options that you can do with the moving of influence around, but this is that's probably the best one. Um, but it is. Um, it is pretty cool. So now there's definitely some some good options. Um, yeah, I mean, speaking of Chisel, she is a fantastic model for the Masons. I think she's actually like such such a she's a really strong model, but she's really well designed to be exactly what they needed to continue to be competitive. Like in in the in the meta with the updated models and you know the changes in uh, various guilds while also giving like a really unique like starting to define a really unique role which mason's already had but like she really brings it to the next level which is this idea of like of the squad and and how the masons interact with each other in terms of moving influence around and buffing each other through influence and like having influence being allocated at different points in the turn um and also activations being you know played around with superior strategy etc so um and linked and all that so there's like a lot of this like really cool resilience to control and resilience to like you know to what your opponent does through this application of like of moving and and like squat you know like using teamwork you're using your models in you you know in unison to or in like concert to avoid it so not only does she actually just take a, a conditions, she helps just through not like letting your influence in Masons get invalidated. So Mallet, which is a great model, one of the biggest complaints that people have um, for him is that he is slow, uh, even though he has the three inch melee, so his threat range is pretty normal. But it, there are times where you put four influence on Mallet and models move out of range and he's just not going to be effective so what do you do in that circumstance you know previously it just made it risky and you had to like play around it so that mallet had multiple threat options and you still should do that but now with uh vet chisel worst comes to worst if you you can put that four on mallet and you can even put four on mallet and be like listen if you don't move this model out of the way out of the fight then i'm gonna go and kill it with with mallet in my first activation and if you do either i'm going to go do something else with mallet or if you somehow manage to invalidate him i'm just going to pop that influence right off of mallet and put it onto somebody else with vet chisel i'm going to i'm going to take that four influence and put it on to um you know whoever the decimate uh uh wait actually is the moving influence friendly guild i know some of it's friendly and some of it's not so friendly for assist, uh, no friendly guild. Yeah, it is friendly for the for adaptive strategy. So yeah, um, you take that influence off of mallet, put it on decimate, and then give decimate assist with chisel, and then walk into melee with two models. And it's like, well, you congratulations, mallet's not going to do anything this turn, but instead, uh, four influence decimate is going to come into you with uh, attack seven anatomical and momentous three damage on two. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah, she just like allows more flexibility, which is kind of like what the Masons are supposed to be. This like flexible team that switches and is adaptive, right? And you know, haha, because her her 
trait says adaptive, but yeah, she is like the most adaptive model. Um, beyond the fact that by herself, other than being one HP weaker than at the average stat line, uh, like because three two slash four one with fourteen boxes is pretty much the average. Um, she just brings a lot personally to the table. Just another momentous two on two, uh, a momentous tackle on one, which is not uncommon for Masons, but is still really good. Uh, with two inch melee, and you know a three six kick and a six eight move, which is just a natural ten inch threat with a tackle, uh, is great. You know, is is that's just solid. In addition to all of her special stuff, so she is she is really good, and she is going to be good for both honor and hammer in very different ways. So I'm really excited to uh, to try her out. Sadly, she will not be legal at the uh, team event. It down south that I'm going to at the towards the end of the month, uh, but post after that I will be very excited to play her. So, really good things. All right, next. So, Spigot and Fangtooth will review them as a couple. Um, they're pretty good in a pretty good uh guild, like. Union had no, had no, like, they weren't, like, suffering for more options here, but they got them. Um, so, so we're going to, oh, they're go going to, I, I think it's going to be, like, the big one right now, I think Spigot's going to have a huge amount of just repositioning you using the ball, like, uh, all the, all the fun stuff that Bonesaw does, except with higher numbers and, like, uh, you know, he can reposition the person he's kicking to better. So, there's that. Um, I think him and Fangtooth will be able to move around the scrum a lot more quicker than you might think. Yeah. I mean, there uh, are def- there are definitely yeah. some risks to that. Like, his pass is, is quite good. Um, but not every model's pass is so good in return. Um, you definitely have some threes in the guild, a good number of threes. You have some twos as well. So, yes, definitely doable, um, but not necessarily, uh, you know, and also you are, the, it is coming at a cost, with the exception, with the possible exception of if you're also using Harry, but you're not often seeing Harry as much in, union maybe you will now more but um but yeah i think so let's talk about the model i think we can talk about their impact and some of that and some of the questions that come up because i have some some hot takes and some strong thoughts on that let's just talk about the models themselves so spigot we said very good at maneuvering the ball he is a really good striker with um in terms of like when he has the ball he has a really long threat range um Specifically, he has uh, eight, four, uh, another four, eight, 24. He's th- got 16 32. plus however many times you pass it around. Uh, basically. Well, yeah, so he has a, sorry, I, I messed that up. Eight, 16. Uh, he has a 24 inch goal threat without um, Fangtooth's thing. Just by, just by himself right. passing to any other model besides Fangtooth, he has a 24 inch goal threat. Um, naturally, which is very good. Um, that's not including any other buffs, just the dodges that he does from his pass, and then the pass back to uh, 
pass back to him. But that said, he is he is a good model for getting the ball, but not necessarily a great model for getting the ball and scoring. He, he can. I mean, so. He can't. So, so he what he needs to enable to do that, he needs to charge a model um, with the ball, get the balls gone, um, and then uh, pat, you know, pat, dodge off the balls gone, and 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 uh, then get the pat, and then yeah, and then get the yeah. ball. So, he, but if he does that, he needs to already have a momentum. Otherwise, he will not have a momentum to do his heroic play. So, he's what I'm saying is like his. He is yes mid mid to late turn. You have a couple momentum. He could do all his stuff. That's great. Yeah, you go in. You ball's gone. Somebody you dodge out. You pass it. Uh, you get the the pass from ball. Um, sorry, you do, do the pass. You dodge out. You then re uh, uh read the game and get the pass back, and then maybe even dodge again back into goal threat and shoot. That's fantastic. It's really good. It is strong. Um, but like if you, it's first activation in the turn, yes, he can still do um some of that stuff but it's not you you have to take more there's more limitations to it uh he has to maybe ball's gone and stay in melee um and then get the and then use that momentum to uh, get the pass back uh or maybe like even make another attack so he can generate a second momentum and and dodge out and then get the pass back so that he has enough to you know both read the game and score yeah there 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 are some limitations to it yes he is a really good model yeah i mean that it's that's not really a big limitation though in a way like first turn activation when you're going first as well so so that way you don't have a momentum automatically like i I think at that point you just select a different tool for the job sure what i'm saying is though yes he doesn't do fulfill that role and that is a role that is sometimes very important so he is a really good striker and i think he will be on the team um but unless you are bringing him in mist in which case you're playing a different kind of team slightly i'm not saying you can't do it i think that might be one of the stronger ways to do it but if you don't have mist you don't have that two inch um model that can you know go in first turn and have your best you know your best chance at getting the ball and scoring from a like that you know that first turn no first activation no momentum charge something get the ball or charge something get momentum and score from far range spigot is better at getting the ball and repositioning it or just repositioning models in general or scoring when he has the ball um that's what that's my thoughts yes Again, none of this is not saying he's a really not a really good model. I think he is fantastic, um, and I actually think he's a lot better than uh, that Fang Tooth best model. I would 100%. I think I would put both of them in the Union team if I was playing Union now. Um, I'd find space for both of them, but he makes the six a lot more than Fang Tooth makes the six for me. But let's uh, talk about Fang Tooth. Uh, let's see. I mean, he has, he's two on one, three on two, knockdown, double push on three, and then, you know, just gets wilder with ground pound and then moment to six. So he's kind of like a, 
it's almost like a blacksmith or a scourge in a way where he's limited by how much he can actually do individually with his influence cap. But when he's got a little bit of setup, it goes a long way. Um, fortunately, you can't multiply it with Red Fury. Give some more con- uh, condition control in case you don't want to play Hemlock as well. And you want something to do more damage. Yeah. And he's got the old Glut Mass and Bone Saw Pass. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he is a, he is a, a good model for sure. Um, I guess, the and we'll talk about this more, we're already answering some a bunch of the questions. But I think the biggest issue is what model will he replace in a union lineup in like the church like yeah i think he's a both a really good model and b 100 percent something they needed because you don't really have that otherwise in the guild a model that can just do momentous three damage on two um and you know if you're gonna go for that two two game plan or at least threaten the two two game plan you're gonna want him on the field to you know when that scrum starts coming he can just walk in and pick a model and go you know with minimal setup you know, maybe one crowd or a gang up, and he's very reliably hitting that, uh, you know, that momentous three, and then he can just go momentous three, momentous three, momentous three, and yeah, you'll kill a model or two like that. Um, but yeah, I think his influence stat definitely does um, hurt him a little bit. The fact, I mean, glut mass is really good, and against some teams that can be a huge deal. Um, like the fact that if you don't have a good way of getting it off beforehand and you have to go in, you, you just, it's very challenging to go in with a model against him if he has the momentum to make a counterattack because his glut mass plus a knockdown double push, even if it's unlikely to get it, if he has two momentum and he can bonus time, that's a really. Uh, when he does get it, it's, yeah, devastating. it's devastating. So it's like you either have to accept the risk and do, you know, put your 6 0 fillet into him and just hope that he is not going to hit it because it's highly unlikely. Um, or you have to solve for it. And uh, that definitely is, is, you know, is, is good. Um, but what I think another thing that kind of limits, limits him is yes, he is 22 boxes, which is a good amount of boxes. Uh, and two, two is an okay stat line. Not great. It's more of a three, one. Um, I think though, if, he does still have the potential to, you know, without it uh, to get taken advantage of if you can, you know, if you can take off the glut mass with somebody and get a model in there. Um, like specifically, specifically, like he's activated, right? He he's activated and he's moved up or he's gone in. You know, he he maybe couldn't do a lot that turn, and then your opponent says like, "I'm gonna now go single this guy out," and when I mean single out, not using the game term, but like. I'm just going to throw all my resources into him. He's going to go down pretty quickly and he will give a lot of momentum um, doing it. So again, this is not, doesn't make him a bad character at all, but I think like he has a lot of really strong potential. um, And if he is able to live up to that and get those momentous sixes uh, or ground pound a bunch of key models, you know, then yeah, he's going to do really good things. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, he, he, is, he is definitely a solid model. I'm excited to see him in church because I think he really makes the team, him along with Spigot, really make the church team like sing. Oh, yeah. So I think, I, I, th- I mean, I, I love Spigot. I didn't get to see him Spigot. Yeah, go for it. I love Spigot. But um, I think with these two, it changes the 10. I don't know if you want to go, I mean, you can, but I don't think you want to go mono rage anymore. Uh, with with uh, Fangtooth and Spigot? Um, I mean, you definitely still can. Rage is strong enough, and they both of these models do things for Rage. Um, I think it makes Blackheart, and definitely because they are fantastic for Blackheart, it makes him a really interesting choice uh, for the time being. So I would, I, I would see um, you putting, including Blackheart as a as a potential option, um, and using them with him. Um, but again, I think you still can go mono rage. The, and we'll get uh, again. We're, we keep alluding to it, so I, I, I apologize if this is annoying to any of our listeners. But like, I think the issue is going to be like fitting these guys in the tent. Yes, the options are fantastic, and they they're never a bad thing. Obviously, they don't make. And we're back. Some intermittent mic issues. I'm trying out a new microphone, and it works better. But then occasionally, my computer still decides to you know, give you guys the horrible audio quality that you've known, uh, come to know and love. Uh, anyway, so finishing up our, our discussion there, what I was saying is that having all these options in Union is not a bad thing, and it definitely makes them objectively stronger. One of the things that I think people need to recognize and we'll talk about is that the op- there is an opportunity cost for putting, the, you know, models into your tent. Uh, in this case, there there is starting to be more of an opportunity cost, particularly seen in Union, in what models you put in your tent. Previously, it's like, well, I'm just going to pick the 10 best models, and maybe one of those mod- choices is somewhat difficult. But for the most part, I can find two, three models that aren't as good um, as the other ones or are much more niche, and maybe I don't need them. And then the choice is pretty easy, and it's more of like, what union model do I want to take? Um, but now, like with a team like Union, you have to, you really have to, um, you really have to make hard decisions. Oh, yeah, big time. Yeah. I think um I think Fangtooth might accidentally get overlooked in the rage thing, even though I don't think he should because of that opportunity cost, but also like I don't think he should be overlooked because there's like Red Fury and Gutter is most of what you'll end up doing anyway. And you need some stuff that's efficient beat down also to help go along okay, well, with that. It, since we've already like jumped into it, I kind of we're going to answer like half our questions. But so, what then? What's your what theoretical vet fang tooth? Um, I'm just in the rage list. So you have rage mascot. Doesn't matter which one. Um, where where what are we talking about from here? Rage mascot. Vet Fang. I think. Vet Fang. Are we talking about a six or a ten? Okay. Let's see. Vet. Uh. Rage. Fangtooth. Spigot. 
better choice of one oh, another. No, but specifically, what what's I I mean, unless you say it's completely situational, but what's what's an <clears> example <throat> of what's the one other? I think the fang tooth is the situational pick, but I mean, sure, sure. I, that's what I'm trying to get to eventually. But I wanna I wanna hear. So what's the other model then? That's in that lineup. It can be uh, Benediction if you're bad at placement. Um, it can be Hemlock if you're going against Alchemists. It can be... I don't know. There's just a ton of things to them, really. Sure. There are a ton of options. But what I'm getting at there is... you pretend, Let's say you take Benediction. Uh, then, you know, that's no Minx, no Decimate, no Hemlock. Um, I'm not even thinking of what else that off the top of my head you're not taking uh i feel like you could use it with, with any of the three you said i mean um you can use it with benediction as you said if, if you have bad placement um you can use him instead of him oh missed um, there was you know she, she unfortunately you can only remove uh conditions from one model but you can still do it sure yeah i mean you can definitely do all those things and i'm not saying it's but but like here, the big thing I was gonna say is like I, mean, I was gonna picture somebody saying like not taking, uh, not having benediction in the lineup, um, which I don't so, think he's well, necessary. I don't, I don't think he's necessary, anymore. but if you take benediction out of your rage lineup, who's doing your really reliable pushing? I. Don't know. I don't think it's really all that. See, that's important. where I would strongly disagree. With <laughs> um, one of the things that makes rage so so strong is the fact that you can't like he can no matter what you try to do to minimize the damage he's gonna do or him or his other models, he can get you to do it because not only can Benedi- like a model like Benediction or the old Harry the Hat threatened to just push you in the you know into range of my into melee with models and into range of rage or gutter whoever um but then you can also red fury like there are so many circumstances where um i've had to sprint benediction up uh and you know then maybe make an attack with him and push a model a little bit but then i need to uh go with rage and uh red fury benediction two more times to push that model four more inches and then now they're finally you know in threat range of gutter or they're finally in threat range for rage or you know or whatever the situation is specifically um i've had situations where i've had to run benediction then quick time him um so that he was far enough you know up uh, to get you know red furied um and doing that would allow me to push a model into melee with a couple models and generate some momentum and then top the next turn i would go and kill like i think that's a really strong piece of rage's arsenal being able to like out of activation reposition models if you ever get near benediction again uh not saying he's needed all the time although i play him all the time um there's other reasons why he's really good he's really tanky uh the import wisdom are etc but by taking Vet Fangtooth, if your option is to take Vet, Vet Fangtooth instead of Benediction, you are losing a ton of that um, push potential. Now, on the other hand, if you do take Benediction, because you you know like what I just said and it makes sense to you, you're now dropping 
now you have two we have a five seven model with two inch so that's relatively you know average speed you have rage who's relatively average a little bit slower than average speed uh, and then you have benediction who's slower than average and your team starts to be a little bit slower now maybe spigot makes up for that in repositioning but that only works when you have the ball you know you, you're starting to plus you start to with benediction you miss out on a lot of damage potential from Sure. The model itself. I mean, yeah. So what I'm saying is, there are opportunity costs, and yes, this is always true. And again, not having it's not like the options can make them worse. The options, you know, objectively make you better because you have more options. Um, but what I'm saying is, like, yes, Vet Fangtooth is really good. Will you see him all the time in the six? I mean, there'll definitely be a lot of people who will play him. Do I think that's always a good thing? No, there's some matchups where maybe, I, yeah, I totally would want Benediction and Vet Fang Tooth and boom. There's, but, like, Rage was really strong with the lineup that he has. He's really strong now. Sometimes, sometimes the more options might make him more versatile and maybe help him into certain matchups that were slightly less good. But, like, I don't know how much they, like, make the just general straight list better. Because uh, there's not, like, an, one that's an obvious replacement. It's not like Spigot's just better than Mist in every way, so why would you ever take Mist anymore? Just put Spigot and you upgrade the list, right? Like, Spigot is better than Mist in certain in a bunch of circumstances, but also a lot worse than Mist in a bunch of circumstances. So, you know, you have gotten, you have more options, which is strength, but you do not have any, I don't think the either of these models, Vet, Fangtooth, or uh, Spigot, just outright replace any of the other models. You are giving something up in order to get what they're bringing, um, and that might be worth it. I think it will be worth it a lot of the times, but it is not like a straight, you know, it's not the equivalent of if, you know, they randomly got um, um, uh, a veteran mist model that was just even better striker. You know what I mean? Like, that would be, you know, or just a model that was just better minx. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's not one of, they, they got models that are different um, and do different things uh, and have their advantages, disadvantages. So that's, that's my. Right. It's, it's not as bad as it could have been. Again, answering all of our questions. What do you do? Union has a lot of options. They are going to be strong. They're probably going to be the top team um, somewhat. I, I will talk about it a little bit more. I think Brewers might keep them in check and, potentially masons and some of the other teams once the faithful and the falconers are out um but like they will be really good and part of that being really good is the fact that they have a lot of options until season four um and these options are really good it's not the same as like just releasing a like a a thresher level model for a team you know it's it's not that kind of thing where you have this like one model that has so much power budget um of the team that and it's really hard to deal with I don't know. I I personally hot take here is that people are overreacting uh about how good they are. They are very good. Um and I think they're really well designed models. Should they be just in the minor guild and should they not be in union? Probably. I mean all the minor guild models are out now, so yes, you could just release the minor. Um I'm interested as to why they chose not to do that. There was originally some talk of like just 
maybe they want to have it maybe it's a production thing and they want it to have it available in one box but i'm not sure how that or they want it there's like a or they want to be able to have the cards for the models like and not have to reprint old cards. i'm not sure what the justification is i think probably like non you know without any other specific things that we're not aware of like on the back end side from the company just in a logical like game sense yeah you should uh the the minor all the minor models are out it should just it should just happen you know it should just become its own minor union would lose out on what is it um who are the models that be uh, why they would lose out on uh on spigot and fangtooth do that's oh because they they still they still keep harry they still keep yeah, Harry they got like benediction and grace. Yeah. So yeah, so they would nothing would change for them. So yeah, I think that would be probably the best solution. It's not what happened. Um, we'll deal with it until season four. It won't be that bad. Like I still think the game's in a really interesting state. Um, with not just Union being I, done. I agree, but so. I think they are stronger until season four. A hundred percent. Again, objectively. The models are good. You would put them on the field. They're not garbage models, so having more options is never going to be a bad. Is not going to be a bad thing. So, moving on from those models, we also got a little, a good portion of that calculus um, spoiled to us. So, have you guys gotten a chance to look at the cards? Or not, sorry, not look at the card. Look at what was teased. Yes. Okay, do you want to kind of overview that for everyone? Sure. It was a 5-8 move, 5-tech, um, 3-8 kick, 4-1 defenses, 2-4 influence. Has the has an AoE of minus 2, minus 2 move uh, for a character play, costing, I think, 2. Um, and then it has this, uh, she has this trait called, uh, whatever, that when she makes a kick, uh, enemies within four get poisoned, and she can remove a condition from a friendly or enemy model, uh, within four and make a four-inch dodge. So she can move quite a bit. I think that's going to help out with uh, the Midas style uh, ball game mostly. Because that's like a, you got to, for one influence, you can move 12 inches as long as you have somebody nearby with conditions, which you probably should because you're playing alchemists and also you have... Uh, models like Crucible or Catalyst that just have their own conditions that you use for a free word they go. Yeah, I think she's a, she's an interesting model. Um, we'll have to see what her playbook looks like to know, like, really, like, if she is, you know, how much of a, uh, a boon she is for the team. But I do like uh, this idea that it seems like they're starting to work on for putting alchemists into uh, having like a guild uh, theme, which is an idea of 
utilizing not only giving out conditions like other teams do, but using conditions for as a, like a resource to do other things. I think that is a really fantastic, fantastic like shtick for the guild. It's a really good mechanic. Um, it's exciting. Like it's it's something new, and I think it can make them good because I think alchemists have kind of suffered from a lack of identity um or a lack of like they were the condi- guild that put out conditions on you but they were also a scoring guild with midas um and they've changed a bunch and i don't think steam has had a really good idea where to put them and being just a guild that puts out conditions is a boring and b you kind of get that thing where it's either not good at all because you don't win the game for it or it's too good and it's like oppressive like you can never get conditions off and you also can't ever engage with me and I'm just going to win after your models slowly die. And, you know, then Vet Catalyst comes and gets me eight points. Um, but yeah, I think this idea of using conditions both to damage models and control them, but then being able to cash in on those conditions for effects, especially if they seem to be like more goal scoring type effects or like repositioning that can help you with goal scoring. I think that's a really cool mechanic for them to explore with the guild at large um i think she makes midas better i don't have good experience to say whether that makes midas good i mean like alchemists have been having a problem and people have been wondering like you know is what to do with them i think uh smoke definitely took a big hit with some of the changes with the game plan cards and some of the additional condition removal that's been going on has been challenging for um for smoke and i think having a tool for that makes midas better is really important right now so um yeah i'm i'm interested to try her out the one thing i'm yeah i the one thing that's kind of challenging is like it is calculus and calculus is already a really good model so it's like this seems like a good model but it's like oh man if it could have only been you know, veteran, um, I don't know, somebody else. Somebody that isn't played necessarily as much. Um, but it's cool. I think it would be nice for Alchemists to get a model. We'll see whether it's really that impactful for them as a whole. You know what? It should have been Vet Bennett. That would have been pretty awesome. <laughs> nah, because then, then, then you're worrying about, like, completely outclassing and then you got that whole situation to deal with sure i mean but right now like (laughs) they might need a model that completely outclasses the old model until you can change i'm not saying you make the new model overpowered but if you had a venom uh, that was worth playing like that would be really cool um welcome to the decimate world <laughs> See, but de- both decimates were were good, but like you know, like if you have a if you if you no, but like if Alchemist had gotten if this was a if this mo- if that model was Vet Venon, and you just now had a mod, yes, Venon should also be changed and be improved. But if you now just had another model that like did something really cool that was not you know you were not taking that slot any and, you know and it's just like a super upgrade now like there's an oppor- bigger opportunity cost so that may limit some of how impactful uh, vet calculus is, but I think she'd still be a solid model. Uh, yeah. Hmm. I think it's uh, just a matter of season four time. 
and it can't come soon enough. <laughs> so it's interesting. You, you, I want. I know those kind of said like tongue in cheek, but what makes you say that? I don't know that it was that tongue in cheek. I just think it's a uh, we're in this really weird, like everything that's being released is in this state where it's like, well, this is planned for what is not current right now, but it's kind of planned for right now, but not 100%. So I don't know. I think it's just this weird three month period that we're going to go through. That's a weird growing pain. Um, like I think, for example, this calculus, she makes Midas look like a lot of fun to me again. Um, but I'm not sure that she is enough to bring out what people want from Midas all the way. I think a couple of buffs around Midas and around her would, uh, work wonders. But, uh, it's, it's just that issue of, like, Union getting all these things and having these stopgap models and stuff like that. It just puts us in a weird spot right now. See, I'm, I actually would throw it over the rich. Do you have similar thoughts, different? I, I haven't seen the actual... Actually, you, no, not Calculus specifically. He was, uh, it was the larger point was about, like, the, the season four will save us all kind of, uh. I can't wait for season four to come out to fix these this wackiness that's going on right now. Um, I, I I can't think like that. Well, I was about to say you've never played a game, so um, yeah, exactly. I don't know if you're in a no, good spot. I think, I, I think they're gonna they're gonna fix they're gonna fix some things. Um, it's it's so interesting to to think about what they can do with with the new models coming out, and then if they touch the old ones, uh, how are they gonna touch them? Um, I mean, I think that, you know, right now people sort of have a set of which one they're taking. Of all, of all the models that have a veteran status for the same team, like, people have a set, oh, well, this was bad. So I'm going to, like, you know, pe- people are never going to take that spigot over spigot. Well, people do, but <laughs> well, people are also you crazy. Know, you know, um, exactly. So, but it's, 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 it's interesting to see what they do and also, also the teams that are underused. Um, Everybody says that this isn't gonna save 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 the game or save us all. And I, I'm not so I'm not so sure. I, I think it's gonna be big changes, but I don't think that so many things are gonna be changed as far as uh, like uh, character wise. Okay. I think we're gonna see more changes in in the general rule set and, and game set itself. So uh, I hear I hear what you guys are both saying, and maybe this is I don't know if this is a popular or unpopular opinion. But I feel pretty strongly on this. Um, and I will say, just a, a disclaimer, we have no, absolutely no advanced knowledge of any of Season 4 changes whatsoever. Um, but my thoughts are, first, so addressing the wackiness. Yes, there are a bunch of models that have come up with the two, with the boxes and the falconers coming out soon. Um, some of them really strong. Some of them really weird. Some of them potentially strong and weird. Like, yes, it has shaken up the meta. And I can understand it's been shaken up. Teams that were good have changed or have maybe been slightly less good. And teams that weren't good have been brought up. Um, First of all, I think that's, A, that's healthy. Like, games, you know, in any competitive meta for, like, 
for video games or for any anything you want for most part you 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 want things to be tight you know tight you want you don't want vast disparities otherwise obviously that's not fun but you want slightly you want slight changes you want things like new releases to come out and throw guilds that you know or teams or whatnot that were not um necessarily the most popular they get something new and like boom that puts them up there now you really gotta you really gotta plan for them and that changes the whole way the game is kind of structured but like ultimately you're still seeing these win rates that are between you know whatever 60 40 or whatever it is but like it's nothing added with some exceptions obviously yes thresher was overpowered but like just um getting these strong models and getting these interesting models that's what i'll say is a lot of the releases for the most part have been very interesting and i haven't seen a, the design um with the exception of like vet gutter who is a very conservatively designed player most of the other players that i've that we between the faithful box and the falconers and the um uh exiles have been not conservatively designed players i think they've been very dynamically like interesting like like exploring new space and new things um or just like or really pushing the limits in certain areas and i think that creates a really chaotic but really interesting meta so again free to totally free to disagree with me and i'm sure and i've heard many people do but i love how crazy it is i love that man now you have to think about brewers when have you had to think about brewers in season three never never no offense to Brewers, they were consistently like one of the lowest win rating teams. You would like, you didn't see like at a top competitive level, you didn't really have to seriously think about them. Like, know what you you needed to know how to handle them, but like it wasn't something that you would be seeing a lot of. Now you do. Um, is it done in the most efficient way? No, I I would like in season four there to be a better way than just giving them a really strong model. Um, but the idea of like now you have to deal with brewers and what how does that shift the teams that are good and the teams that are less good and how do you adapt to that is i that's what makes it exciting for me and now with all the stuff that's coming out union etc again i personally think and i totally may be proven wrong on this that spigot and fangtooth will not break the union they will make them strong they're already strong they will be probably the top team if not close to it but like what teams do well into them i think brewers which i haven't play tested it with spigot and fangtooth but i think brewers are in a really good spot comparatively to compared to a lot of guilds against union um and until season four it's going to stay that way so i think that makes it really dynamic so if Brewers are really good against Union, um, but there are still teams, I think Fish are still fine against Brewers. Definitely got much better for Brewers, but I, you could still shark them. Um, it's still doable. Uh, I've lost with, the only games I've lost with Brewers so far, I think, have been against Shark, Fish. Um, yeah, it's it, 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 it makes it dynamic. I don't know. that To me, that's exciting. So you are, not to... Uh, malign your opinion but i am excited by all these changes i am definitely hopeful that the changes in season four will you know stabilize things and and continue to give us more excitement but also like fix any things that may not be you know good long-term solutions but i don't know i'm i'm enjoying 
I I'm embracing the chaos. I mean, that's fine. It's just it's just coming from a completely uh I feel like it's tackling a completely different side of things in that like I'm more talking about like this feels like a period of like a letdown where it's very heavy-handed and like I know they can do better. Okay. But I say like w- uh, there's a couple I can like think in my mind a couple of things that you might be referring to there. Um but I'm not. I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not saying like. I don't know. It's just I, a. I, it's just a consequence of the. Uh, of how they wanted to reset and like do season, uh, their season change at SteamCon and like how, it's a lot of early decisions that rolled up until we had to have this part that's really awkward. Because of just the timing of things, you like know? what that things are like how change. long season three went sure. on because they didn't want to, they wanted to release it at SteamCon, okay, or whatever, but they didn't want to like make one nine months after the others, right? Nine months after season three started, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I, I, I guess I'm not again not trying to uh, minimize or or anybody who does have issues with it. I, I can see how that cat i guess could be frustrating i don't I, for me i'm seeing it as i'm viewing it as very exciting um and yeah so things are going to change at SteamCon us and you know you'll go into worlds and it will be different and people are like oh my goodness that's that's horrible it's like but i mean that affects eight people uh or whatever the number is that they might have increased it to 16 i forget but whatever that affects a very small amount of people for most people, you'll play season three until SteamCon US, and then it will be season four, and things will be different, and it will shift again, and you'll have to adapt. But that's like what gets you excited. I mean, why do we? Why do most podcasts, including our own, you know, despite being a podcast that we say don't, we don't want to just go over new releases. Everybody goes over new releases and talks about it because they're exciting. They give energy to the game, and I think when there, there's definitely a balance to be had between you know good design decisions. And, you know, balancing the conservativeness with, like, the heavy-handed, exciting, flashy models that are really good. Um, Yeah, and not everything, again, not everything uh, Steamforge has done in that is, is like, 100% a hit. But I think overall, for me, it has been really positive. So I'm going to stop ranting on this. Um, Any other thoughts, guys, on that? Uh, I mean, uh, let me go back. I mean, I'm I'm happy about the change. I agree with you that it bring, it breathes uh, life into the game. I also know that when they make a lot of changes, a lot of people are gonna cry, and that's something I'm just not looking forward to. Yeah, it, the, a lot of people, uh, you know, the sky's falling, sort of thing. Yeah, which is why I guess I feel strongly about it. I have rant, uh, am ranting against it. Just like, in, yes, you you can commiserate. Like, I I don't think the season four will save us all. Like meme thing is a bad thing i think it's funny it's good it's a like good way to commiserate and it's kind of like the you know the bitching that you get like in a in like the army or that kind of situation like oh man this sucks but at the same time like you know there's a sense of camaraderie and like that's a good healthy thing but like it can go into a negative place and seen it in games you know that kind of complaining oh this is overpowered no this is overpowered oh i don't have any fun you know in these like really knee-jerk reactions and stuff like that can um, can be harmful. So I'd say knee-jerk away, but in moderation. Like, in moderation. The game is fun. 
it has been fun. It will continue to be fun. If it's not, then yeah, we'll complain about it. Um, and if it isn't fun to you, then sure, complain about it. But I don't know. Uh, it, it can like, kind of check yourself to see, like, am I just kind of having a strong emotional reaction to this? Like, let me slow down and think about it. And maybe I do need to exercise some patience, or maybe I need to try it more. Or maybe, yeah, I don't love it, but I can deal with it, you know, for the next couple of months or whatever the situation is. I don't know. Keep the, uh, my big thing is to keep the general outlook positive. We're excited. Lots of stuff coming out. Better than, you know, my other favorite game, a miniature game of all time, uh, which actually this may not be true because I think they, there is some, but like I love Battlefleet Gothic, but man, up until recently, or I don't know if it has happened or is happening or what the plant deal with is with that, but for years I could barely play it because people couldn't even buy the ships. Like they were out of print and really expensive. Um, so like I couldn't even, I couldn't, you know, I would have to ask like somebody who had a, a big stockpile of, of ships to play. Like, you know, it's getting new stuff is great. Uh, support for a game is great i wish games like dark age had nearly as much good support and releases and whatnot and they they don't have the worst releases but like you know better support than uh you know than they did and then because gilball really has done so well in what's a really short lifetime for a game questions time for questions sure all right, we've we've gone on. So um, I have the list. I guess I'll start us off. Um, we got a ton of questions. So you guys were both our Facebook and Dungeon listeners were very, very generous with the questions. Uh, we'll see what we get through. There are a lot of repetitive questions, so we may not get to all of them. Um, I don't have everybody's names for all the questions, but I do for some of them. So we're just going to run through this. Um, so... First, let's start with what do you want? Serious question or less serious question, Chris? Let's go as a serious right now. All right, serious. Um, let's see. We kind of already talked about this. How impactful will uh, Vet Fangtooth and uh, Spigot be to the tournament meta through up until SteamCon US? Let's let's put this eh. let's put this on a scale of one to ten. One being um, the release of Crucible for Alchemist, and ten being Thresher. <laughs> I don't. I I, uh, I I'm, I'm being I'm a little fishy. I'll give it like a six. Scale. I'll give it like a six or something if you're putting it on that scale. I don't think they'll be that impactful. I mean, they do make the team better, but they're already a strong team. I don't think this breaks them or anything like that. Okay. Six three. Wait, what's six three mean? At six point oh, 6. three. Okay, <laughs> that's very specific. You want to go go ahead with your point three? It's more than six. <laughs> Brilliant, but not quite seven. <laughs> All right, excellent. Um, I already talked about it so much. Uh, number wise. Yeah, I'm liking a six. It's a very non-committal number. It's like impactful. And it's like slightly more than your average new player impactful, but it's not like vet decimate impactful. Um, actually, she probably should be up there on that scale with Thresher too, because that was like a Thresher was designed with the guild, but like 
decimate is like a well, you could see the impact very right. um all right next how do you break personal plateaus in terms of competitive skill hmm. good question i don't think i have can you elaborate I think I've been stuck at the same plateau for however long I've been playing for a while now. Okay, have you like like uh probably the past year or so. Okay. Not sure what what to improve on it though. So Okay, in in the past have you hit a plateau previously that you had uh, overcome or this is like your first one and you're just stuck? I don't know. Uh, my first improvements came by really quickly and really fast, and then not sure where it went from there, actually. Okay. Uh, Rich, any thoughts? How do you improve on a plateau? Have you? I don't think I have. <laughs> I got <laughs> I really don't think I have. Fair enough. I think it's, Go for it. I guess... I guess you gotta really recognize what your plateau is first off in order to figure out how to get over it. Yeah. And then go for it. Take yeah, advice from a yet. better players and bash your face against better players until you finally do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, you bring up a good. Both of you guys bring up good points, Rich. Like, you just don't play enough games to get to your like potential competitive wise, which I think actually would be really good. Um, I'm not sure where it would fall overall, and I'm not saying you don't do really good already. I mean, you did really good at Spring Fling, but uh, like for you, lack of like literal lack of reps um, is probably if if you were to say you had a plateau, or maybe you're not even at a plateau yet, but like you have you're not continually gaining in skill level, improving in skill level, just because you're not getting the reps in. Um, yeah, just because I don't play enough. Yeah, then. Um, Chris, that you were saying, recognizing, I think, yeah, the biggest thing is you have to, A, get the reps in, B, you have to get, like, purposeful practice, not just, like, I play a game, and this is, like, why I'm a really, uh, I would never be a great pundit. I can run really great demos, and I don't mind doing that, especially at, like, a convention, but I am not a good um, pundit because I, not that I don't like playing players of different skill level, but I don't want to be responsible for playing, for being the one who like bring like who like changes their play up for the various skill levels and like gets people like excited about the game in that way. If that makes sense, like because that's not purposeful practice. Doesn't mean I don't like playing those games, and I you know, but I have like a limited amount of time. If I'm gonna play a casual game, I'm gonna play a casual game. But I don't, I can't like commit to doing the pundit thing of where like. You, know, you have to be playing a bunch of casual games with new people and sh- and like getting them to see the fun cool stuff um i can do that in the context of a demo but like when it comes to running events or leagues and stuff like that it's just, it's a lot of energy like a lot of time um but so back to the point getting that purposeful practice your perf- purposeful practice is like okay recognize what is the limitation like what are you what's not happening like i keep getting like i don't i don't know the other teams well enough okay well then you need to play against the teams that you don't feel like you know well enough or need to look at their um playbooks and you need to get reps and like 
well, you need to watch what Theron does to you or what Vet Decimate does to you or what Vet Rage does to you in these games. And like, I lost because this happened. Okay, now I know what this is and now I can figure out how to try to overcome it. Um, but yeah, you need to have, like, you need to make a, a, a direct purposeful effort to identify what those things are and then practice until it doesn't happen as often. Um, but yeah, with plateaus, I think it's a really, a big thing is that because there are a lot of times it's like maybe one or two matchups or like you do really well until you get to a, a, like you jump in the skill level of player that you're going and then like, it just all falls apart. And maybe you are capable of going 50, 50 with that player that, you know, you keep losing to, but like you get into your own head or like, you know, you don't know how to recover when something goes wrong etc there's there's like there's a lot of specific things that could be causing a plateau but generally you have to identify what that those things are before you um before you can get any better and then i think the last thing is also like the out of game and mindset stuff i think that can play as we've talked about in the past that can play a huge part in it so you need to make sure you're well rested before a tournament i mean like to whatever degree you want to like you know, recognize that if you go drinking and get blackout drunk the night before the tournament, unless you're German, um, you may not do as well. You know, like uh, if you know if you're tired, if you're not well uh, fed during the day, if you don't, you know, or well hydrated, you might do worse. If you are frustrated because of things going on at work and you let that come and affect you at the table, that's going to not make you do as well. Like those are all different things that could uh, come in, uh, like outside of the game that can also cause you'd have gotta get stuck in a rut. Next question. Um, two, we got a couple ones here. There was post-faceful release, why should I play any team but Brewers and Union? Um, and from Dan White, there was another one. People going to Nationals and SteamCon are saying the sky is falling with the Union releases. Is the situation really that bad for competitive go ball? We've already talked on this. Um, no. The answer to that is no for Dan's question, and um, I also don't necessarily agree with the premise that everybody's. Uh, I, I mean, I guess people, some people are saying that, but I don't know that it's true totally. But why play other teams besides Brewers and Union? Because you like having fun more than you like winning. Yeah. Or guess what? Uh, I mean, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Because you hate yourself. Oh, because you hate yourself. Oh, okay. Uh, because those teams are really good right now, but they're not the only teams that are really good. I mean, there's also, there's like some caveats in here. Like Hunters, while I think they're still pretty good now, or go up so much once the Falconers actually come out for real. Um, but like in that context, or like in the context of once the Faceful are out and Masons get Vet Chisel, I mean, they were already good, but like I think that brings them up a bunch. There's other teams that are really good, and I don't there's very few if any people have gotten the table time and experience to test out all these models enough to know what the answers are and like yes this is strong but what are the are there counters like um i know i mean that's the real thing yeah table time is gonna really decide it all honestly well yeah that's that's what it's always been yeah like here's a great example and i don't know if i necessarily agree with this opinion but like i know pat van value is uh and has you know who's a great brewers player has said that like engine I, I and I, if i'm misquoting him i apologize but i i think i've heard him say that like engineers are still challenging um for like one of the challenging matchups for brewers and he still doesn't feel great about it um 
So if that is true, you know, I don't necessarily agree, but like, let's just say he's true. That's correct. Or even if it's, you know, it depends on the player, but like, if that's still maybe a challenging thing for Brewers players, look at that. Engineers are a guild that may be something you want to consider, or like that is where the meta will shift and some people, more people might play engineers uh, to handle, you know, Brewers. And in doing that, you know, you might not see Brewers as often because they lose to the engineers player. Um, same thing, you know, or the union will take out the engineers player if you don't want to see them, right? Like, I mean, obviously it's all, every tournament is individual and like, and you don't know what you're going to go and play up, but, but like in general, the meta will shift around and there are other options that may be good into one or both of these teams and still good into the rest of the field. Engineers are not in a bad, they're in a good place. Some people think they're like, you know, Alex Botts, I think did a tier list, uh, and put them first, second, third, somewhere up in the top. They were, they were, you know, top tier, really good. Um, so, like, there are other teams that are going to be really strong. And even the teams that aren't in that top tier, like, again, comes back to the thing, 90% is player skill. Like, if you get the player skill up and then, and this isn't, this is a get, I guess this is a get good argument, work on your player skill before and if you want to change the guild because you want you're getting frustrated sure go ahead and change them work on the things that you work on your own stuff first and then when you get to that top level and you're winning tournaments you know at the regional tournaments nationally tournaments you're losing because you you know had to play against the 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 good the the new hotness then yeah sure complain about it there I don't know. I think I think both you and everybody else is making a bigger deal out of uh, people's opinion on it than it is. I I agree. But I think like like I said, I wasn't I wasn't joking. It's just that you like having fun with this other guild that you have fun with more than you like the incremental power increase. Sure. I I mean I agree with you on that, but I I, I want to like. I want to kind of head off the notion that, like, yes, these guilds are the most strong, and if you want, if you really wanted to win, you would play them. But like, we also want to have fun. Yes, that's true. But I also don't necessarily agree that they are like definitely in all circumstances the best guilds. They are strong, and they are very obviously strong, like straightforwardly strong. But you have guilds like Hunters that are also really strong and have a, a less direct way of like you know approaching the game. If you want, uh, like, so yeah, if you like hunters, play hunters. But I was like, don't think that you're just playing the team that's less strong. Um, I don't think we have enough information and experience to really say that. So, and it's so, like we said, it's so chaotic that everything is changing around. And, you know, what's strong one day now will be slightly less strong than, you know, in two months from now at season or three months from now at season four. So, have fun, play games, but don't play Bone Saw. <laughs> Never. Ever. Um. All right. Uh. Let's see. Yeah. There is definitely too many questions to do all of these here. Um. Chris, how thick must the stack be in order to be real chili spaghetti? I don't understand this question, but I'm hoping that you. I assume the stack means uh how much cheese there is. Okay. Uh. About an inch, inch and a half, at least. Okay, at, at least. 
So does it does it get more like does it like exponentially get better with more cheese or is there like is it is it uh, a parabolic curve like does at one point too much cheese is just it ruins it? There is uh, after you pass the Skyway. <laughs> uh, excellent. All right. Um, question was asked: Why don't you get Jared back now that he's given up playtesting? Uh, Spoiler alert, Jared may be back in as like a somewhat regular guest. Um he's not quite there yet. He's in his uh he's in his like Rocky montage playing serious like vassal champion. Um dude has been beasting it on the games and we talk very regularly. But yeah, he he's there. I don't know that he's ready to like talk publicly. I think he's you know, he's got he had got been out of the game for a little while, getting back into it or Sorry, he was playtesting, then got out of the game for a little while, then got back into it. So huh, we'll get we'll get him on here. We'll get him on here. Uh, that said, though, he has officially told me that he is no longer. He is. I think he he thinks he has lost his nicest uh, guy in Go Ball uh, badge. So he is now the villain. He is now a, a horrible person. <laughs> <laughs> so he's taken a face heel turn. Yeah, he has taken a face heel turn. Uh, in fact, I may have not. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Jared. He, Jared actually asked this question. He said, "If I decide to start playing engineers, does that make me a bad person?" What do you guys think? You're breaking my heart, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chris is definitely upset about that. Feel the deep betrayal. Uh, I told him that he was already a bad person. Uh, so, I mean, can it get any worse? The answer is probably <laughs> yes. Uh, let's see. Uh, Lon Sims asks us, Union is at the highest win rate. Uh, butchers are trailing. I assume they mean trailing like are close behind. Uh, rat catchers have plummeted. Uh, blips on the radar or something more to read into. Um, I don't know if we can talk about all the, I think if you really want to look at some really good analysis of win rates, go, this, I'm going to plug your Lon's blog. Um, I want to call it is it momentous t- tackle what is it called i read it but i don't actually know what the i don't have it saved i don't know it's momentous something yeah it's i think it's i think it's momentous tackle. i think it's momentous tackle um i just read yeah, it i just read it when it <laughs> to me so uh yeah, it is momentous it's momentous tackle that wordpress cool yeah lot thanks yeah Rich. lon does some really good uh stuff with uh, the data from Longshanks and like putting it together and compiling it. It's really interesting. It's good. Don't read too much. Like, and Lon doesn't do this himself, but like, I wouldn't read too much into it, especially like month rankings. The trends are interesting and they kind of say about like what people are thinking and doing, but obviously like the sample sizes are not always super big and people can be fickle. Like a new release can cause a lot of people to play a guild and that can bring their win rate up or down like there's a lot of different variables that come into it um i guess what i will say is like yes union are clearly strong as we've talked about um i'm i'm interested that butchers have been tra- like consistently trailing in this like mid-range like upper mid-range um i've played them a, a decent amount over the last like couple months and like i i'm starting to to you know push back some of my the issues that i had with them before like i think vet gutter helps a lot because they now have like there is that model that you can rely on to put some influence on and not get invalidated by uh 
counterattacks as easily. And I think just having that option, even if you don't, I mean, I play her basically in every lineup, but even if you don't play her in every lineup, I think just having that option and having it where you really need it is super helpful. Like having that into Masons, now you can play Ox into Masons so much better. Um, and I did play Ox into Masons at a local tournament the other week and went tw- and 12 owed him. Uh, it should have been 12 4. He missed a four die goal. But like, um, yeah, Vet Gutter did so much work under Ox's. Uh, aura and legendary and all that and like hey guess what she's the one model that mason you don't have to really worry about uh the counterattacks nearly as much because she has two inch melee um so and a decently accessible knockdown against like a low defense model with armor that she can um yeah so rat catchers chris what do you think they've plummeted do you think that's uh it People figuring out how to play against them largely. Okay. So you think it is like a lack it, of power on their level and it was just the trickiness that was kind of uh, bringing them through? Well, they largely, they had it, I think, first month or two, they had like a 54-ish percent win rate. And uh, so much of their power relies on the opponent picking the wrong stuff sometimes. Uh in order to get, like, maximum potential out of them, you know? And as the opponents figure out what the right decision is at that time, they'll make less wrong decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, as, largely, as a rat player, you have to have a plan for both scenarios and a way to make it them both good. But that can really eat up a lot of time and... Uh, Sometimes the other option just isn't very much help at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, speaking of some rat questions, uh, you got a question from uh, Pete from Rage Quit Wire. Uh, are, is Chris Schlegel really ditching rat catchers? And then related to that, there was another question. Is Chris ready to face the inevitable mockery when he abandons rats? Um, first answer... I don't know. Maybe. I'm getting kind of over them. Uh, they're really fun jank, but I think when they are when they feel bad, they feel really bad. Um, second question, I will beat you guys to the punch and meme it myself. Like I already did with my, uh, uh, that one meme with the dude looking back at the girl while his girlfriend's there or whatever and i photoshopped the piper and windfighter because i'm totally hard switching to windfighter so all in all in navigators at least the day they release i'd like to point out by the way chris (laughs) that that sentence could be parsed in several different ways both of them um applicable and one of them very funny so you said okay. when uh, when you are hard uh what you are hard on windfire uh windfinder um yeah that depending on where the comma is in that sentence uh it means two different things between you know hard switching over like you know you're going to go for that team or you know you just really think she's a a pretty lady um so yeah i really appreciate that um i mean that's that's the ideal scenario here right because, I mean, it's true. <laughs> so. 
Um, all right. Here's another good one. What do you think Alex Botts would say to you? Well, let's go over this. Is that it? Yeah, that's the question. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. It's right. not, it sounds like there's another part. Oh, uh, no. Well, so uh, this uh, we there is the what would you say to Alex Botts meme from this is probably dating us. This is like a, this is so season early season three. Maybe even season two. I don't know. Uh, like, what would you say to Alex Potts? It was literally on the WTC application. If anybody had opened it up, because I des- I uh, made the application, I designed the application. One of the questions uh, there was a secret question after you submitted it that said, "What would you say to Alex Potts?" Um, but it's been a you know it's been a thing. Um, I think Double Dodge started it off. Well, yeah. What do you have to say to Alex Potts? Anyway, so turn the turning the tables. What do you think Alex Potts would say to you? I disagree. That's what he would say to you. <laughs> yes. Excellent. Rich? He, he would definitely tell me to keep keep Tater and just keep Tater close up front all the time. Okay, interesting. I thought you were gonna I thought you were gonna go with a burger thing, but I'm glad you went with No, no, no I mean does he say that? No, I mean Uh I think he would tell me uh fuck you Mike. Uh stop stop ragging on me because i take like every possible opportunity to rag on on bots despite the fact that i think he is uh, a great person uh and a really good player uh everybody says to me that's not true all right i'm next question from alex cooper i miss you michael klein do you miss me so fuck you rich people like me um (laughs) and the answer to alex is yes i miss him so much uh, I was really bummed that I couldn't go to their the last tournament down by those guys, but you know, kind of had to you know do a honeymoon thing, which was super awesome. So while I'm bummed, I do and I do miss him. You know, priorities. Uh, he can be second place in my heart. <laughs> uh, <laughs> next question from John Stokes, uh, and this is really funny given. Some conversation that I had with some of the West Virginia guys uh, after the tournament. Um, but is a hot dog a sandwich? Ah, this dang meme. Uh, I don't know. How's the dog wear its pants? Like, <laughs> Rich? Oh, I, I, I guess I'm like the CEO on this. No, it's not. Okay. Uh, it's, it's definitely not. It cannot be. Well, so not even close. well, what if you? So you know, I've heard people try to take the really scientific route, like a sandwich is two pieces of bread and a hot dog only has one piece. My question is, what if you like cut the little connecting piece that makes the bun stick together, and then it is just two pieces of bread with a hot dog in the middle? Is that then you need to eat like? A white bread hot dog sandwich, like a real civilized, uh, working class peasant like myself. Excellent. Uh, so the West Virginia guys have put forth this uh, radical uh, treatise. I don't even know what to call it. That uh, all food is either a sandwich, a soup, or a salad. Um, and I had some. Great conversation with my wife uh, today at the beach about what exactly 
like with all the counter examples and how they would address it. But yeah, there's some good things like you know ravioli is just a sandwich, uh, ice cream is soup, um, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know. It, it, I guess it depends on how postmodern you are with your what is your what food. is what is steak that is so steak? that was the one that we all came up with and i guess the question <laughs> steak by itself was like the one exception but steak like in the context of like it has some vegetables and stuff like that that's a salad it's see, I mean, here, if, you, if you see my plate that's just this is what happens <laughs> this is what happens when a state is isolated by mountains and has to drive like three hours to get out of it <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're, they can start to redefine food uh excellent all right cool blame it on west virginia um all right let's see i don't know who actually said this and it's way i forgot to put their name but what should i take to the wtc so somebody who is going to the wtc and i don't actually was this you chris i think this was your own question Yes. <laughs> so what you so what you Chris did, Chris you got to say no goddamn. No, I I figured it out. I remember it was him that asked it. What so asking your own question on our podcast, what should you take to the WTC? Go. I want you to answer this first. What should I take is definitely fish. Okay. But I can't. Why can't you? Oh, cuz you have another fish player on the team. Right. We have like an abundance of only fish players in America. <laughs> yeah, Frank's pretty hard on fish too. Um, okay, so you should play. But so then, why not play Brewers? Because I like fun more than I like winning. <laughs> uh, but they're so much fun. Like you know, it's. Uh, I know. I'm just I, trolling I, you with that question from oh earlier. Oh my god! So you know what's the <laughs> most fun thing in the game for one player? is putting a bu- bunch of buffs on a model, uh, having that model go into another model, kill that model, and then second wind back to where they started. It's really great. And then, so, it, like, I didn't, like, Brewers are a gunline team, and it's really great. So you, you bring Esters, right? You have ranged character plays. You bring some other models, not super important. I mean, they are important, but, like, that's not what it makes the gun line, though. But the gun line is Esther shoots people, and then you buff Vet Decimate, and then she goes in, she kills a model, second wins back to where she started, and you're still not engaged with the opponent team. And then you say, okay, do you want me to do this again, or do you want to come into me? Otherwise, I'm going to do this every turn, and I'm going to kill one of your models every turn, and I'm going to win the game. Um, but what usually happens is they realize, I can't do it you know have to go into the gun line and then they rush into you and then you still kill them <laughs> so it's beautiful sounds like a really pleasant experience it Mike. is really great as a brewer's <laughs> player um yeah <laughs> all right well what should you play i mean yeah i don't know uh do you do you think rat catchers aren't up to the task you don't think you can like play them, and then just use the team system to avoid your worst matchups? Like, don't put you down as the first player, put you down as the choice, so that you get the choice of matchup? That is a possibility, and it would give the people what they want. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Excellent. I mean, I also need to know the answer to this question, what should I play at WTC, but, like, I'm not going to even start. I don't 
people will say things and I won't listen to them and I'll eventually play something like I'll figure out a couple weeks before probably uh, or whenever the lists are due uh, or rosters are due. So next um, with new from Jerry Cooper with new miners showing up every few weeks, how do you approach playing a whole new team, especially one outside of your usual comfort zone? I'm going to take it to mean that he meant like playing against the team um, unless you're, he's talking about like switching to the new team every time one comes out. I'm not sure, but yeah, so let's go with that. Thoughts? How do you approach? I was actually prepared for the uh, other way. Answer both then or answer whatever. Um, If you're the one playing the new thing, you, you just got to do it and throw caution to the wind and uh, try not to play your first game in a tournament. I guess also and just really don't, not that you don't want to do good, but like don't get caught up in how good you're doing, right? Just like recognize that you're learning something, especially if it doesn't come super quick to you. Like just have the experience like I am learning in my games and I might lose a bunch of games because I make a bunch of silly mistakes, but like that's how you learn. Um, but what about playing against Rich? Any thoughts? How do you... I, I, I mean, playing playing against, I mean, I, I think that both, I mean, not everyone because some people do practice like Chris practices with his rat catchers. But for the most part, when you're playing someone with a new team, I mean, you're playing someone who is also learning at the same time. Uh, so, it, I mean, you really have to be aware of, of what, what they can do, um, of course. And it's pretty obvious. But, I mean, I think that uh, unless you're playing somebody that you know is, is talented, you know, one of the top table guys, most people... I haven't practiced enough with new teams. They just buy it because it's the new shininess, and then you know they throw it on the table. Okay. Um. Yeah, I mean, I agree with what you guys said. I have nothing extra to add. All right. Um. If you could change any one model, which would you pick, and why? Ah, uh, Bonesaw. <laughs> Okay. Uh why? He's just he's just a cool looking both of them, the alternate and, and the regular one. He's just a, such a cool looking model to be so shitty. It breaks my heart. Uh huh. Uh huh. For me it would be uh Angel, but I don't necessarily mean her rules so much as her sculpt. Ah why? Why? I love her sculpt. Oh man, I do not. <laughs> okay. That's sad. <laughs> um, my answer is between granite and ghast. Um, like ghast. The reason I'd say change him is because I think more. I don't. I don't know how I feel about morticians right now. I think there's a lot of cool things, but one thing that if man, if ghast just had two three influence, so that you can play him both him and Casket on a team without being like a 12 influence or 11 influence team. That would be such a huge thing um, being, for them to be able to have two big guys on the field. Um, it'd make the team so many more options and it's such a simple change and it better happen in season four. Steamforge, hear me out. Unless you're going to make other big changes, make him a two, three, for the love of God, it will make the mortician such a better team. Um, and in like, not in a crazy overpowered way, just so many more options. Uh, but for, I think my overall choice though is Granite because she is such an awesome looking model 
like one of my favorite models and she just doesn't do like they tried there's one of those ones like their early ones where they were like we're gonna try to break the rules of the game a little and go outside the box it, it just didn't work like it didn't come together i don't know if they were too conservative um or they just like they overestimated how often like the the gimmick kind of would work to make granite like work as a model um yeah but it doesn't so (laughs) and she's not like a horrible horrible model it's just like oh man the masons already have so many models they want to have in the lineup like yeah she needs she needs some things um all right next question uh Jared asks, why do people think Harriet is good? I'm having a hard time seeing the appeal when scatters are so random. That's just one tool in the box. Yeah, I think I think that's why people use it. There are occasions when you want to, you know, you can take the ball going in a random location rather than where it can potentially go if you don't do anything. Yeah, I think she is a good model. Um... I think she is, like you guys say, a toolbox model. I don't think she is as good as people were initially thinking when they saw her. Um, the, you know, hoist-taking, um, sucker-punch-killing people jank, while at times good, like, potentially into rats, maybe it's a really good strategy, like, and situationally really good is not as what people were scared it was going to be, uh, or some people were scared it was going to be. She is a solid model, but I think there are some real issues to, like, who do you take out to include her in the Engineer's uh, 6. So, yeah, she's a good tool and at sometimes really useful, but not all the time. Um, Matt not asks us, what do you think about Masons and their competitiveness? Um, my answer is they are really competitive. I think, well, I think, they, yeah, I think they're pretty if not top tier, very close to top tier. I think they are top tier. Their biggest weakness was um, was control, but specifically like the alchemist style of control, the smoke style of control was really challenging for them. I think they can handle mason uh, uh, things like morticians and engineers better and hunters better. Um, but I think, I mean, it's still probably their weakness, uh, if I had to say. But yeah, they're really strong, and I think Vet Chesel brings them to even another level um and will be really good for them not like game breaking but definitely um helps them with that control aspect so uh, i think they'll be in a great spot um there's a very high potential that i go back to masons for things like wtc um just as an example if i'm not doing brewers union hunters etc it depends on what my team ends up choosing um for what i end up choosing but yeah masons are in a great spot I, I think they are. I, I, I really think they are. I, I never played them, but I know that they're a pain in the ass to play. <laughs> yeah. And I know that I, I wanted to play them at one point, but I don't know what happened. But they're, they're definitely a team that is almost always in the top table. Yeah. When I, one of the things is, like, Hammers consistently had a pretty high win rate and been good. Um, Honors had a very low win rate throughout, at least since we've been tracking it on with captain win rates on uh, long janks. And I think Honor is actually one of the hardest captains in the game. Um, that is like, or highest, maybe not hardest captain in the game, but like highest skill floor and a pretty high skill ceiling. Maybe not the highest. I don't know where she, like her overall power level is, but 
Um, she can do so much, but there are like she is resource starved. Um, so she, but has such flexibility, but you pay for it a little bit. Like, but like getting the vectors and making everything work and knowing when to use um, all her different things and all the different like her legendary and her blah blah blah, all that stuff is really um, challenging. So it can be really hard to play her well. But you have Hammer, who I think is pretty relatively easy to play well. Doesn't mean that he doesn't like do really good when you're like at the next level. But um, like, I mean, if you put five on him and keep some models within six to give him influence to do stuff, he will definitely do stuff. So, so uh, yeah, they're in a great spot. Um, Dalton James Cunnecker asks us, and I might be saying that name wrong, so I apologize. Uh, where have all the Alchemist players gone? Uh, and why do people hate playing against them? Uh, I don't know. I think they just fell out of uh, style when they stopped being the uh, hotness of Season 3. Expect the same thing. Like, I mean, there's always a huge drop-off whenever something becomes not the new hotness. Mm. So. Um, I mean, I think fairly the game plan cards have affected Smoke. Um, in a slightly negative way, it made it like harder for to do. So, like the thing, the why do people hate playing against them? And this is not like a, a shout, like a, a negative thing against him, but the Vincent Kirkhoff style of like you know the strict of strictly the worst, the the complete non-interaction. I'm gonna just never let you touch my players until you have to overextend, and then I'm gonna go throw vet catalyst and get four points, and then he'll die, so you can't even interact with him. But like that complete like non-interactiveness style took a big hit from that and that was probably their strongest style because of things like the Midas nerfs and the other player nerfs um and I think like with the like oh well we don't have that anymore so like you have to go back to their old thing which was like more of a control conditions games but also goal scoring it was like like it's their identity is a little confused, and I think uh, Alchemist players are feeling that. Um, I think we talked about it before with Bet Catalyst, but I, yeah, I think they need more of an identity other than the team that puts out conditions. They need to be the team that puts out conditions and then does more with them because other teams put out conditions, and even if Alchemists do it more, that doesn't really like work. And especially if they're supposed to be like a, a goal scoring team, they need to be doing things with those conditions that end up with them getting the ball or getting goals so um uh you want to since it's getting a pretty long episode i've got one that i really wanted to answer all right let's do that one and then i may do a couple of quick uh rapid fire silly ones go for it okay it was the one from bill anderson where it's asking what your favorite model in the game is and why whether it's like it can be for rules fluff Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, model period. You know. Uh, all right. Uh, go for it, Rich. Oh goddamn it! I wasn't. Prepared. All right, go for it, Chris. <laughs> okay. Going off the same thing I said earlier, Angel. So far, oh, uh, if we're talking about the ones that are released so okay. far, because her art looked really freaking cool, and when I first started, it was really cool to kick under Corsair's legendary for like 12 inches. <laughs> Excellent. But her model disappointed me. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, I'm ready. Go for it. Alright, 
is definitely Albulus. Okay, why? I love how he, how he has his hand in everything in the fluff, and I, I love it. Some any any sort of dealing in the fluff, he's usually behind it. Excellent. Um, I want to give you guys can any can you guys guess what my answer is? It's probably honor. Think harder. Hammer. What is the one model we haven't talked? It hasn't come up in a while. There hasn't been any uh, good controversy about it. But lucky, no mallet, mallet. Damn it, <laughs> it's mallet wow. is my. Fi- I was gonna, I was gonna say tower. What? <laughs> oh yeah, it is it's mallet. mallet. I forgot. Mallet yeah. is my favorite model in the game. But now I'm almost wanting to change my answer to Lucky. <laughs> Lucky is a great model too. I do, I do really like. There are so many options for models I like for various reasons. Like I think Vet Minx's sculpt is like amazing, and I love her sculpt. Um, I think Minerva's rules are fantastic. Like there, I could go through like you know, bounce off a bajillion. I love the look of the blacksmiths, just period as a team. Um, but yeah, I mean, I got to go back to you know, to the my roots, to my mallet. Uh, you know, he's no no holds bar. I don't even really like his original model because the scale is small. But like, yeah, he got better with the uh, uh, with the kickoff box. Um, but I don't. He's just a fancy man who does fancy things. If you look at his card, I think he has his pinky out. You know, he just and you know he yeah, yeah he he's like he's just he he's just a, he's 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 like the dude that we all aspire to be um, in life. You know, he's had a great career. But he keeps it going, even though he's old. Like you know, he just re- delivers that single doubt where you need it, need it to be. Like he's he's just a great guy. <laughs> all right, all right. Now you're rapid fire. All right, rapid fires. Um, Dan White asks us a bunch of uh, of uh, shit stirring questions. Um, and like this is, I just want to say clearly, Dan is on a, a a publicity drive here. He's trying to get his name and his podcast name out there. Um, so Dan, we see right through you. Nice try. Um, you know, he's been trying to, I think their last episode was basically just all talking about what other podcasts are doing, including ours or saying, you know, they read off like my list of things that I put on gubs about the different podcasts and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, they don't have any original content anyway. Uh, he asks us excluding Lance, who is your favorite host of the pitch? Uh, my answer to that is the 20 minutes of silence they had on their last episode until I told them about it. <laughs> it was definitely my favorite part of um, Let's Next, next question. question. Uh, why This is, again, directed at me. Why have I dubbed Rage Quit Wire Rage Quit Whiners, and why do you hate all Southerners? Um, to the second question, I don't hate all Southerners. Um, they can attest that I, uh, despite their tilting, uh, I do love them. Um, and I talk to them frequently and I, the last hug I gave to John Stokes was, you know, beautiful and I still feel it on me today. Um, as to why I call them rage quick whiners, I was just joking, but at their last episode, there was a lot of, uh, tilting and, uh, you know, uh, sky is falling about union. Um, you know, people are entitled to their opinions, no ill will towards them. People can say that the sky is falling or not. Um, but yeah, that, that was my, uh, little, little friendly competitive sledging towards them um let's see i want to do one more we we might be uh we might be out what is love baby don't hurt me don't hurt me no more (laughs) uh all right cool questions that's done
Uh, I'm sure there were some others. If we didn't get to your question, I apologize. Ask it again next time. I tried to compile all of them, but people were asking like into even today. Some people were still asking. Um, So, yeah. Cool. With I would all think right. with have a good yeah. night. <laughs> we have definitely rambled on for a while.